Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. <laughs> Tommy, Ocean Chinook or Puget Sound Coho, what is your palate favorite? And you drop yeah. that kokanee on top of that barn door halibut's head, 67 feet of water, and he was not happy about that. Well, I don't know. What do you think? Boxers or briefs? Ooh, I'm going to have to go with a European cut speedo. Fantastic. Excellent choice. I yeah. love tuna. I do love tuna. Heck yeah! <laughs> hey, you know, I have a buddy who refers to Canadian geese as flying carp. Obviously, he's not cooking them. <laughs> he clearly, right? Oh, ocean snook. Seriously? Hands down. Really? Hands down. I don't fish for coho. Ah, good point. Hey, speaking of grind, can you tell the difference between ground deer and ground elk? Honestly, taste the difference. You know, Dwayne, we only get one chance to live this life. Mm-hmm. And you will always regret the things that you don't do. So you know what I tell people? Buy the damn boat. Hey, you know, the facts are some days are just a grind. Welcome to Fish Hunt Northwest, the number one fishing and hunting talk show throughout the Pacific Northwest and beyond. Now here's your host, Dwayne England, and of course, the infamous Tommy Donlan. Hello and welcome to Fish Hunt Northwest. Dwayne England, Tommy Donlan, coming to you live from the Fish Hunt Northwest studio here at Summit Lake in Olympia, Washington, and uh, glad everybody could join us this evening. I see a few folks signing on here. Uh, lots of content, Tommy. I thought the show was ready to go yesterday, and then all of a sudden we had a late arrival, late entry. We did. We did <laughs> to indeed. The, to the rotation, which is just fine, because it's uh, conversations that need to happen and topics we need to cover. And so, uh, looking back since uh, we were here last week, how about how about the weather throughout the week, man? Talk about some inconsistent inconsistencies, right? I mean... All over the place. Yeah. You know, there's only one set of weather that I really care about, and that is what are the ocean conditions. <laughs> the and ocean I think, conditions. you know, we had really good ocean yes. conditions last weekend. Yes. And then it just kind of, you know, the, yeah. wind, the wind machine turned on during the week, it but did. it looks like it's going to turn off just in time for this weekend. Get you so back out there. Perfect. Looking forward to that. We'll cover that a little bit towards the end of the show. I want to welcome everybody, and thanks for tuning in. If you're tuning in on Root Sports, uh, appreciate you taking the time. I want to remind everybody, take a little bit of time. Go to our webpage, dot fishhuntnw.com. There you're going to find a couple of coupons that you need to take advantage of. Edge Rods, uh, Edge Rods Fishing, and then uh, FHN20 is the coupon code. Click on that coupon. You're going to actually take you to the Edge Rods webpage. All Edge Rods, 20% off all the time through Fish Hunt Northwest. Uh, enter the coupon code at checkout, and you're going to save a ton of money. Also, check out Phelps Game Calls. Fish Hunt NW10, Phelps Game Calls, that coupon, click on that as well. To take you right to the webpage, you can get pretty much any call that Phelps puts out there through the rest of the year. You're going to save 10% every time at uh, checkout. So, yeah, a number of things going on, Tommy. Um, one thing that uh, reared its ugly head that you and I discussed last week, we figured yeah. was was coming. Uh, the closure of Area 11 um, is basically effective June 15th. Uh, is that today? Uh, yes. Yeah, that is, is today. June 15th, you know, so. but, I, but I was happy to see that it made it through last weekend, you know. We got two full weeks. We, we did, we did. And the, you know, how fast it started, how good the fishing was, like right off the bat the first day. Yep. Um, I was pretty shocked and happy at the same time to see it go for two weeks. So I yep. think, you know, I think that's a plus. And, and ultimately, right, we've reached our unmarked encounter. Now, what does that mean, right? Mm-hmm. When we say 
unmarked. We don't use, we use the word unmarked intentionally, right? Because we're not saying it's a wild fish because sometimes in the clipping process, hatchery fish are missed and uh, they have the fin, which would be marked, right? True. Or, or excuse unmarked. me, unmarked. Mm -hmm. yep. yep. And so uh, basically, you know, where did we land? We had a quota of 1,423. We caught 988 of those. Mm -hmm. um, you know, not bad. We've reached our unmarked encounter limit. Yep. Okay, so we yep. reached our, our limitation there. And then on the uh, sublegals, we were at about 67%. Yeah, and you know, it's, uh, I mean, we got 69, almost 70% of our quota, but we rubbed up against, as you're, uh, yeah, as you're uh, stating here on our unmarked, or our marked, you know, fishery impact of 115%. Mm -hmm. So we just, a scotch over on it, and they got to shut it down to protect uh, those, those encounters or, you know, uh, minimize or completely do away with those encounters. That fishery is supposed to stay open through the end of June, and then Correct. we roll right into the July 1 opener. Right. Now we just uh, got to sit idle for a couple mm -hmm. weeks. Area 11 be back open July 1st. Yep. And you can go back after Chinook. So yep. kind of where it landed. And uh, yeah, you and I both very surprised we made it two weeks out of the mm -hmm. whole deal. So mm -hmm. I guess we'll take uh, take what we can get. All right, uh, lots going on. Time to get to it. Let's run down the show. Uh, a few guests lined up this evening, Tommy. So we are going to be bouncing all over the place. First up, of course, Josiah Dar, Jadar Guided Fishing. Hey, the Columbia River reopens tomorrow, if you hadn't heard. Uh, we're going to break it down with Josiah. Technique points and some keys to success. Pay attention if you plan to fish the big sea. Then, uh, late entry into the rotation, as I mentioned, uh, got a hold of Mark Pigeon, pres president at Washingtonians Wildlife for Conservation. A lawsuit was dropped yesterday, Tommy, against Governor Inslee and the five, five of the nine Fish and Wildlife Commissioners. Mark is here to tell us all about it. You'll want to check out what's going on in this regard. Uh, then, we're going to go ahead and roll on into reminding you of events coming up and, of course, the Fish Expo 2023 taking place this weekend. You'll want to be there for sure. Hey, then I've reached out to good buddy Shelby Ross. Tommy, good buddy Shelby Ross, Ross Outdoor Adventures. They are catching some walleye and a whole bunch of things over there at Potholes. We're going to talk to him about a technique you probably have not heard of and just how effective it has been when chasing walleye. Then uh, we did get out on the water this last week, multiple locations, FHN on the water, multiple fisheries this past week. How do we do? And you want to fish salmon or bottom fish, Tommy, out of Nia Bay. You and I talk about this from time to time, or CQ, uh, but you have a smaller boat. We're going to have a great discussion on how you can find success and do it safely. Then, of course, uh, we're going to close out the show with some openings and closings and news that you need to pay attention to. So don't go anywhere. We're going to jump out for a quick break. We come back. Josiah Dar, Jadar, Guided Fishing, right here at Fish on Northwest. Defiance Marine is the one-stop shop for the Pacific Northwest Angler. Defiance Marine guarantees the best price on a new and best service on a repower for your current boat. Defiance Marine is a Honda Premier dealership and one of the largest on the West Coast. Defiance Marine is a boat dealer who proudly sells Defiance, Allied, and Arima boats. All boats are built by West Coast fishermen for West Coast fishermen. Defiance Marine has all your boating needs to help you get out on the water. If you're looking for the best fishing rods in the world, you really do need to take a look at the edge rods. I designed and built new machinery, and I think this new machinery has enabled us to build blanks like no other company can build without this equipment. There is no other rods in the world that are as good as these rods. You owe it to yourself to take a good look at them. 
All right, welcome back to the show to win England. Tommy Donlan, and did you get the memo? Columbia reopens tomorrow. Yes, indeed. Finally, lots of mm -hmm. votes. Folks waiting for that. We're talking, you know, Chinook salmon, sockeye, steelhead, summer steelhead yeah. now. I mean, we had some great opportunity. Yeah. And one individual who I always rely on to give us a fair and unbiased account of what to expect <laughs> and how he's going to go <laughs> conduct business and target these critters, Josiah Dar, Jadar Gutted Fishing. Uh, thanks for taking time tonight, buddy, and jumping on the show with us. No, yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. So, uh, the Columbia reopens for Chinook, Steelhead, and Sockeye, as I'd mentioned, tomorrow. Uh, the river conditions are considerably different from what they were when it remained open for that extended week there going after those spring Chinook. What's going to be your approach tomorrow based on the current conditions? Anchor fishing? We talking plugs and wobblers? Are you going to get out there on the troll with 360s? What's kind of your go-to program just getting back out there for test run? Uh, I'll be totally honest. Uh, I'm not totally sure. I know what I'm going to start. I'm probably going to anchor fish first thing, uh, but it's going to be completely different places than we did when it was open prior. Um, totally different river, apples and oranges. I think, you know, it was a, anywhere from 12 feet, 10, 12 feet on the, on the Vancouver gauge. And now it's like less than five or five. So totally different Columbia, a uh, lot more 25, 35, 40 foot water. Um, you know, wobbler fishing like we used to old school works really well in the summertime. We said that's, you know, before we all pro troll, that's what we did starting yeah. now. Yeah. So talk a so, little bit about your anchor setup. What what do you look for when you're trying to find an anchor spot? You know, is is it just purely depth of water? Are you looking for any kind of ledges or underwater features? Talk, talk to us about that a little bit. It's really ridges. And, and I'm not talking about ridges in that I'm falling and fishing off the backs of them is more like fishing off the sides of them. Like, mm -hmm. so there's got to think of like these ledges in the river that the fish are going to use to travel along the edges of, they kind of cut this current on the sides of them. Um, you know, they're, they're usually run on the sides of those. So anywhere, you know, that's kind of the side of the whole channel, but there's a lot of other places in the Columbia where you can find, you know, places that'll be 22 feet and fall off to, you know, 40 or whatever. And you just, the sides of those walls are really, really tend to be the travel lanes mm -hmm. when the water's deep, when it's deep water fishing. Gotcha. Let's talk a little bit about that actual presentation. Plug size, some of your favorite colors. I have an idea. <laughs> if people follow you on social media, they're going to see see what it is you put out there. You're wrapping them, putting scent on them. And also, if you are running some wobblers, let's talk a little bit about a uh, color of presentation, size of wobbler, and are you setting those up with anything? Uh, I usually use those brass wobblers, you know, the little diamond-shaped guys. Mm -hmm. uh, chartreuse, any combination thereof, typically. I'm sure guys have their favorite one. I do too. So, you know, the, my favorite one just happens to be like a double trouble chartreuse one. Um, but I always run one wobbler, even when I'm running my plugs, because I figure those plugs are always, you know, a foot or so off the bottom where that wobbler is probably five feet. You know, I run him five and five sure. a lot. Um, and there are days where that wobbler outfishes my other four rots. Huh. You know, it's the, it's the dog. It's the, that today. So it's kind of a silly idea not to run one when I get the opportunity to run a bunch of rods. Cause there's definitely days where that's made my day. Sure. Um, but as far as like presentation, you know, quick fish is pretty standard stuff, you know, two, two and a half feet by four to five feet on your leaders um, and droppers, nothing super fancy. You know, you were talking about plugs, 14s, 15s. Um, I actually fish from 16s a lot, especially now when the water's deeper because now instead of fishing all the soft edges, like we were, you know, weeks ago or at high water, now I'm fishing more down the gut. So I'm actually fishing a lot faster water. Oh. So okay. now 
I have no problem fishing K-16s. I've caught a lot of six-pound fish on K-16s, let alone 26-pound fish. They, they whack them. So and, uh, that plug runs really well in fast water. So there's, there's, it's just a really matter of what you want to fish for or what you want to do, what you're comfortable with right now. Perfect. Yeah, that's a bigger plug. I like it. Yeah. So talk talk about the when you do go on the troll a little bit, right? And you're trolling three sixties, and and what are you trolling behind the three sixty? Is it a spinner, hoochie spinner? Yeah. How much weight are you using? And you know, it sounds like color's pretty pretty darn important. So how do you choose your color for the day? I I kind of like to use more weight. So granted, I'm not talking like everyone else because I have the opportunity to fish a lot of rods, but I also have to keep a lot of rods apart. So I fish like 20s and 18s and 16s. Um, that way I have a little more control over where my stuff is and it doesn't swing out of the zone. They tend to not tangle as much. So I like heavier weights versus less weights. Um, that's also just a product of the job. But um, as far as flashers, you know, a lot of uh, the pro trolls, um, that's kind of my go-to, just the regular silver pro troll. Everybody kind of knows. A lot of guys like to doctor them up, but I'm pretty much straight out of the box. Um as far as what to drag behind them, uh, definitely a fan of little spinners. You know, I make homemade soft spinners, um, three, 3.5, stuff like that. Um, I, you really can't go wrong with the Mexican hats. Um, there's one called a, um, I don't know, people call it Bronco. And uh, probably, it's kind of like a Bronco, but with chartreuse instead of red sides, mm -hmm. uh, Lighthouse, I think it's called. But, you know, some combination thereof. And uh, for the most part, there's, I don't think the color truly is as the killer. I, I think your leader length versus your bumper length is really the trick. You figure out your bumper gets the right distance and then your leader gets the right distance. And those two work together. So if you shorten up your bumpers a lot, you might want to have a little longer leaders and vice versa. Mm. That really matters to me. That is the most important part. If I have a rod that's not getting bit when everything else is, I usually just retie the bumper or the spinner leader length, not necessarily put on a new spinner. We are, uh, we're coming up against a hard break here, but real quick before we go, give me a starting point for bumper length, leader length, and dropper. Are you using a dropper length or are you putting that weight right directly to your slider? Yeah, I put it right on there. Uh, you know, I'm not hitting the bottom, so I'm yeah. not worried about the keeping it close, but definitely not dragging. Yep. Um, short, I'd say 20, 22 inches on your bumper, maybe 24. If you're going, if you're in faster water, 24s, and then uh, shoot anywhere from 31 to 24, depending on you know, it's just adverse with the other one. Leader length on your leader. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. All right, buddy. Well, hey, never enough time. Way too much content to cover, but always a pleasure to get you on. And uh, if you got some openings, folks can look you up on Facebook, social media platforms, Instagram and Facebook. The Jadar Guided Fishing. Uh, appreciate you taking the time, buddy. We'll be in touch. Yeah, no, I, I thanks for having you guys, and I definitely do have some openings. Uh, I think people assume sometimes that we're all full every day, but we're right. not. Right, right, okay. <laughs> we'll send them your way, pal. Have a good night. Awesome, have a good one. Jadar Guided Fishing, look them up, Facebook, easy to find, also Instagram, Jadar Guided Fishing. All right, going to jump out for a quick break. We come back, uh, we got Mark Pigeon, president at Washingtonians for Wildlife Conservation, going to talk about this lawsuit. <laughs> so don't go anywhere. Back with Mark right after this break, right here, Fish on Northwest. Allied, the new leader in heavy gauge aluminum boats. Allied boats have standard reverse chine and lifting rakes to help you plane faster and run at lower RPMs. Allied boats have several models to choose from, ranging from a 19-foot Mustang all the way up to a 32-foot Liberator. 
So regardless of what type of heavy gauge aluminum boats you are looking for, Allied Boats will have it for you. Contact Allied Boats today to learn more about these incredible fishing machines. Hi, welcome back. Fish on Northwest, Wayne England, Tommy Donlin. And uh, in case people missed the memo late yesterday, uh, Andy Wagamott had released a, a nice article and uh, another, uh, another uh, uh, bit of information coming out there in reference to what is going on currently at uh, Washingtonians for Washingtonians Wildlife for Conservation. Uh, joining us uh, once again, Mark Pigeon, president at uh, WWSC, and uh, thanks for uh, thanks for taking time tonight, Mark, and uh, uh, making yourself available to discuss this lawsuit. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So, folks can find your information at www.w4wc.org. And yesterday was a big day for you guys at WWSC. You filed a lawsuit against Governor Inslee and five of our current uh, nine Five of the current nine commissioners, including Chair Barbara Baker, Commissioners John, John Limkel, uh, Tim Reagan, Melanie Rowland, and Lorna Smith, one of our favorites, basically the appointed coup, as I re, uh, refer to them, uh, who are running our fisheries and hunting right, in, right basically off the rails here. So tell us the reason behind the lawsuit. Well, um, these commissioners here are, are not following the legislative mandate. They are not, they're in violation of RCW 77.04.040, the balance doctrine. You know, we as sportsmen are, are not having our rights here. Um, you know, the RCW says that, you know, they are supposed to maximize um, hunting and fishing opportunities. And the governor has not done that in his appointees. And these commissioners have not done that as the way they acted, whether you're talking about spring bear. And um, I know we have a short time, so I'm going to keep this short. There's so much I can say about Barbara Baker <laughs> in her confirmation <laughs> hearings where she could not even say the word hunting. She said shoot stuff mm -hmm. was the closest stuff. I mean, how many hunters go out and say we shoot stuff? That's our goal is to shoot stuff here or saying that. There's so with a lack of wild spaces that uh, the department can't do our three R's: recruit, retain, and reactivate. I mean, we hunters are the true, true conservationists in this here. I mean, that goes truly against the legislative mandate here. Right. Yep. It and does. With this, hey, Mark. This, so, so I think one of the things that you know people are really curious about is, um, you know, who. Washingtonians Wildlife for Conservation is now teamed up with, and that's a law firm by the name of Lane Powell PC, right, which is a Seattle-based law firm. And they've already got a win uh, on Inslee, right? They're 1-0. And, you know, the lawsuit that they have already led and won is really with related to his appointments uh, to the State Building Code Council, right? And, uh, and And that appointment there. So you've got a firm that's already been successful, and then, you know, the question in a lot of people's minds are, you know, do we have enough material in this lawsuit to, to number one, win, but to number two, actually displace some of the commissioners that are currently on the commission? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think our case is much more solid than what the builders have. We have so much evidence on this here to, to win this lawsuit. Yeah. Well, that's encouraging because uh, something needs to be done, obviously. As you had mentioned, uh, some of the statements by the current commissioners really show 
their MO and their goal uh, as they are working towards minimizing, truly minimizing opportunity, taking away our opportunity to be in the woods or on the water uh, with that, with that, you know, throughout Washington state. So um, yeah, folks can find a lot of that information in that recent article released by Andy Wagamont over there at uh, Northwest Sportsman's Magazine. It basically quotes some of the information you're putting out there, Mark, as it references John Lincoln and then, of course, Barbara Baker and some of the statements they made to the senators during their Senate hearing as far as being confirmed. I found it just an absolute mind blow. The, the verbiage that they use, the words they can't say because they feel as though it might be you know, construed as too violent in nature or we just, we can't say hunting, we can't say, you know. So um, there's a lot going on here. There's a lot of layers to this thing. Appreciate you guys uh, jumping on board and, and uh, taking this on. Well, thank you very much. And if you want to look at the last thing to say is look at this new draft conservation policy, C-700X, yeah. how horrible this is. And it's a preservation policy that have our tribal co-managers have been armed and how bad this com commission really is in this conservation preservation block that we're right. suing. Right. Hey, Mark, really quick before we jump out. So can people go to the website w4wc.org and can they find a location on there to donate to the cause and how does that work? Yes, they can. They can They can go and they, they can join up and be members. So please go to our website and they can, they can become members and we really need everyone's help because this um this is going to be a costly endeavor here for us mm -hmm. absolutely well uh appreciate you taking the time tonight mark uh, i know it was short notice again and you made yourself available really appreciate you taking the time and getting this uh information out there tommy and i will continue to you know carry this flag and, and mm -hmm. try to get the information education uh, folks out there where they can get to your website and uh, how they can help support you in your cause uh at the end of the day we want to see governor Inslee being forced to replace some of these, uh, some of these like-minded individuals that are completely mm -hmm. directing our hunting and fishing in Washington State in the wrong direction. So appreciate your efforts, sir, and uh, we'll stay in touch for sure. Thank you for your time. Absolutely. Thanks, Mark. Have a good night. All right, www.w4wc.org to go and uh, sign up, become a member of Washingtonians Wildlife for Conservation, help support them in their cause. We're going to talk more about this moving forward, but this is uh, just to get it out there, let you guys know what's going on. There are good folks fighting for us Tommy, out there yep. to get it back to where for it sure. used to be. All right, going to jump out for a quick break. Don't go anywhere. Uh, we come back, got a few uh, reminders and events coming up right here, Fish Out Northwest. Support from Northwest Sportsmen make Federal Ammunition the world's leading ammunition manufacturer. Federal uses the industry's finest materials, giving you reliable ammunition that delivers superb accuracy and optimum performance. Northwest hunters rely on Sportco to provide the best selection and prices in the Northwest since 1985. Sportco and Outdoor Emporium in Fife and Seattle. Your journey begins here. All right, welcome back here, Fish on Northwest. And uh, as we wind down the first half of the show here, Tommy, busy weekend coming up. Yes, indeed. Fish We're be busy. Expo, <laughs> Fish Expo 2023 at the Thurston County Fairgrounds. You're definitely going to join us either Saturday or Sunday, Father's Day. Looks like it's supposed to get a little, uh, little wet and kind of sporty on Sunday. So yep. 
If folks want to come mm -hmm. inside and attend an event that's going to be fantastic, show up Thurston County Fairgrounds uh, Fish Expo 2023, Saturday and Sunday, uh, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Saturday, 10 a.m. 4 p.m. on Sunday. We got the concert Saturday evening, headlining uh, Dakota Poorman, friend of ours, uh, going to be there putting on a heck of a show. Lots of food vendors. La beer garden for your pleasure and of course all the vendors and folks in there joining mm -hmm. us selling selling items selling swag selling the whole deal yep it's gonna be a lot of fun gonna it is gonna time. be a lot of fun yeah. and i would say there's a there's gonna be an allied mustang there make sure you walk all over it press as many buttons as you can make sure all the switches work it's yeah it's a great a idea one. go ahead yep. and reset all my uh, electronics turn the batteries <laughs> on uh you know uh delete all my tracks yes. do, do all the yes. good stuff right yes. that's what we're looking for so uh, just before we get out of here, Tommy, I kind of want to reiterate the importance of this lawsuit. There may be a lot of people that feel like this is frivolous and it's not going to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. But you and I are both in agreement that the, um, the track record has been set. This, uh, this uh, attorney group, pal, that's, uh, that's uh, representing yeah. uh, WWC, they've already got a 1-0 to zero, uh, win over Inslee because he did the same exact thing with that building commission. Yep. So it's like parallel universes. Different, uh, different hobby. Okay, gonna jump out uh, here for a quick break. That's gonna do it for the first half of the show. If you're joining us here on Root Sports, appreciate you tuning in. Uh, much more to come. Shelby Ross is up next talking about walleye over at Potholes, and you're not gonna believe how they're getting them. Don't go anywhere. Come back right after this quick break right here, Fish on Northwest. Hey guys, I'm Big Mike. Come on down to the Edge Pro Shop and see me. We've got all the best brands under one roof. We've got Hawken, Procure, Short Bus, Pro Troll, Yakima Bait, Get em Dry Jigs, Northwest Bait Scent, Daiwa Reels, North Fork Lures, North Wild, Brad's, Superfly, Rocky Mountain Tackle, and of course, the greatest rods ever built, Edge Rods. All right, welcome back here in the studio, Dwayne England, Tommy Donlin, as we kick off second half of the show here. And uh, no stranger to the show, no stranger to you and I, uh, as we go over there and mm -hmm. shoot things that fly in the air and catch that's things correct. out of the water that swim. Uh, longtime buddy, Shelby Ross, Ross Outdoor Adventures, uh, www.rossoutdooradventures.com. And always a pleasure to get you on, my friend. You're extremely busy, so I appreciate you taking the time. Always great to chat with you guys. Yeah, so sounds like, the walleye fishing, along with pretty much everything else that swims and potholes right now, is uh, is uh, snapping at your presentations. Uh, interesting dynamics taking place over there. Um, sounds like the fishing's pretty good. The water's gotten a little warm. Uh, the fish are feeding. Seems to be a lot of feeder fish uh, in and around, for sure, a lot of bait. But let's talk about the conditions right now and are things really on par with typical mid-June as far as water temps, air temp, and, and the uh, lake level? Or is this a so, little, bit, little bit different than what you normally experience mid-June? Well, we normally don't have uh, mid-90 degree temperatures uh, the tail end of April and uh, a bunch of May. And so our reservoir is kind of fishing like mid-July instead of June. Huh. And uh, we had phenomenal fishing for the first 10 days of June. And I think we released a dozen fish over 25 inches mm, wow. at 11 pounder here a few days ago. And uh, it was kind of a flashback to uh, a few years ago when it was just on fire. And uh, the bite has changed here in the last few days where it just seems like all of the bait fish from the spawn of every species is uh, 
swimming and uh, they're in the weeds for them to snack on and they really don't have to eat your nightcrawler because there's uh, food abundant all of a sudden just as of uh, this week. Right. Huh. That's interesting that it's all of a sudden. So I've been fishing walleye for the past couple summers around the 4th of July on Lake Roosevelt. So I've, uh, you know, I've kind of, you know, learned the program with the bottom walkers and the smile blades, right? And a couple beads and, and the slow death rig with the worm. And so Shelby, I assume you're trolling right now, but are you using that traditional method or what, what method are you using? So we, we still are bottom bouncing some, but uh, so many of our fish are living in the weeds and I've been uh, watching another tournament angler in our in our tournament every year, just uh, clean our clock for several years, and I've been watching what he's been doing, and he won't share with anybody, even his best friends, what he's doing, but he's been uh, consistently making money doing it, <laughs> and good reason between watching him and, and uh, digging around on YouTube, I've, I've kind of come up with a little system to fish over the weeds, and it's still an evolving system. But it's producing fish, and and uh, we're, we're still learning on how it works. But it is uh, different than the traditional bottom bouncer, and uh, we're we're fishing literally over the top of the weeds, and uh, we're fishing a you know eight and a half to nine foot uh, steelhead spinning rod uh, with a uh, quarter to well. I guess you go the other way from a, a split shot size weight up to three eighths of a, of an ounce, depending on what the water depth and how tall the weeds are. And we're casting a spinner behind the boat and trying to go right over the top of those weeds. And if you put a bottom bouncer down in those areas, you're just hung up. You just, your baits fell, you got weeds. So you have to cast it behind the boat as you're trolling. Hmm. Now, are we talking shallow depth here? Or are we still 20 feet of water or what are we talking? We were, we were 20 foot at the start of our season. We've lost about five foot of water depth already, which is uh, kind of unheard of for this time of year, but uh, that's just water demand for the irrigation. So we're talking about 15 feet of water and uh, anywhere from five to 10 foot of weeds. Huh. Okay. So you're just, you're staying up over the top of the weeds. All them bait fish are down there in the weeds Them fish are ambushing and coming up and you're dragging this thing over the top of it. Kind of break it down a little more for us. Metal blade, smile blade, uh, so, slow death rig hook. I've uh, from that split shot. And how do you keep that thing suspended up over the weed so it doesn't drop down? I mean, typically if you got so, any weight on it all or a blade that drags, the further back you let it go behind the boat, you're going to continue to have it drop um, to a certain point, uh, depending on troll speed. So how do you keep that thing suspended up and, and not getting in the weeds? So when we first started this a couple of years ago, the the perfect program was 10 feet of water with five foot of weeds and a quarter ounce bullet weight and a mile and a half an hour. And you just flung it back there as far as you could throw it. And if it wasn't occasionally ticking a weed, you either let some more line out or slowed the boat speed a click and adjusted accordingly and just kind of let the fish dictate, you know, what that speed's going to be. And... Uh, you know, every day customers like, well, how deep is this fishing? I have no idea, but it's working. And uh, it, it <laughs> that's is that's uh, all that matters. That's what you, you want know, to know. Your whole life of walleye I fishing, no idea, told, right? Yeah, it just works. They're just not boost talking. the confidence level. Right. Yeah, 100%. You know, so how many years of walleye again. fishing? You've got to be touching the bottom, right? If you're not touching the bottom, you're not walleye fishing. And this throws all that for a loop. Sure. And uh, we have done some, some uh, where the, the, the walleye are on a weed line. And we'll drag a, a bottom bouncer through the weeds 
put a four ounce bottom walker on. You don't even need a need a bait on it. <clears throat> and what it's doing is pushing those fish out of the weeds and they'll hit your bait. The, the weight dragging through the weeds is moving them and, oh, there's food and they'll hit it. Mm. But if oh, you do that, it kind of ruins the weed line and it pushes all those fish. So you get one or two good passes and they're gone. So unless mm. it's, uh, you know, the last hour of the tournament or something, I try not to do that. So, hey, with this new method that you have, Shelby, um, are you still getting the the bycatch too? Are you getting smallmouth? Are you getting, you know, perch and some of those other fish? We we absolutely are. In fact, I think we're catching more bass than we ever have because they're living in those weed beds as well. Yeah. Mm, okay. So uh, that's part are about it. Is right come now, out of those how long weeds, will this fishery it. continue? How long will you be targeting walleye there at uh, Potholes Reservoir? Well, we never stop targeting the walleye. That's my my focus until yeah. uh, duck season opens. Uh, <laughs> As we go through the summer, we're, we're targeting walleye, but we're catching every species, and it really becomes a multi-species deal. Not uncommon to catch six, seven, eight different species, and hopefully at the end of the day, a mess of them are walleye. But nice. our, our walleye harvest numbers generally slow down in, in July and August, and then return again to just walleye focused in you know mid-September all the way through October. That's awesome. I mean, that sounds like a kick in the pants, catching like, you know, multiple species, lots of them. Um, so, hey, Shelby, where do folks go to get a hold of you and book a trip and be able to do this? RossOutdoorAdventures.com. Awesome. Just that simple. And uh, before too long, you and I and Tommy are going to have a conversation about when we're going to start getting those dates on the calendar for October, November. Ducks and geese on the mind of many. And uh, if we wait too long, we get booked up too quick and nobody can go. That's so. right. <laughs> we well, and, and you know, the other thing I was thinking, you know, now that, now that uh, this is out there, right, that there's this new method, this different technique, mm -hmm. I think Shelby's probably going to have his competitors join him on the boat and probably pay for a day on the water with him that just could, to learn the method. That could probably happen. Yeah. <laughs> Look what we do. They for are you. curious watching us uh, <laughs> fling stuff behind the boat as we're trolling. They're wondering what in the heck is that? Yeah. Yeah, I bet. exactly. I bet. So, Right on, buddy. Hey, always, uh, always great to get you on. Content's always fantastic, and I appreciate you taking the time and and making it happen. We'll uh, we'll be in touch soon, my friend. You guys have a great evening. Thank you for having okay, me. Yeah, you do. too. All right, take care. Uh, Shelby Ross, Ross Outdoor Adventures. www.rossoutdooradventures.com. Look Shelby up. He will guarantee you, if nothing else, a very good time on the water. And or also yeah. check out everything he's got going there at his website, Tommy, because. He's busy year-round. He, he does it all. Between yeah. the, yep. all the fishing and, of course, the hunting, yeah. you can't go wrong signing up and enjoying some time over there outside sure. of Mardon Resort and uh, Potholes Reservoir. So He's got an awesome team, too. He really yeah. does. Yeah, Levi yeah. Uh, Rodilla is fantastic, a heck of a guide in his own right, and yes. uh, he is also out fishing walleye right now. So they're getting it done over there. Look them up and, uh, and go have some fun. Okay, uh, going to jump out for a quick break. We come back. We got our fish reports right. from this last week, uh, some waters that we – we're able to spend some time on and, and be successful in, in some regard. And then, of course, going to have a discussion uh, mm -hmm. that CQ and uh, Nia Bay area that you love so much. Mm -hmm. You get a lot of folks messaging us up to say, hey, really love you guys' content. You've really helped me out understand presentation and approach. But, yep. man, i got a smaller boat. Where can, can I go? I can yep. I get it done, right? Yep. We're going to answer that information more, uh, get you squared away here uh, when we come back after this break right here, Fishing Northwest. All Defiance boats are built without any structural wood materials. That is why all boats are backed with a lifetime warranty. 
All Defiance boats come standard with large fish boxes that are fully insulated so that you can ice your fish properly all day. All Defiance boats are foam flotation filled and unsinkable for the ultimate in safety while fishing offshore. Before you buy any boat, stop by or call Defiance Boats today to ensure you are getting the very best glass boat your money can buy. Hi, welcome back here in studio to Win England, Tommy Donlan. And uh, hey, buddy, we were able to get out on the water here this uh, yes, since we were. last Thursday. Yep. It was a um, it was a Friday, Saturday, Monday uh, opportunity, right? So mm-hmm. um, you unfortunately had to work, so you couldn't make it out with us on Friday for one of our annual kind of go uh, go spend some time with Ben Overmars out there in Westport and yeah. go have a good time and fish because Ben will get you on the fish. He's been doing it for a number <laughs> of years. He started chartering last Ooh. year, and so. Um, our goal there was to get out on Deepwater Lingcod Day. It wasn't a hell of a day, but Deepwater right. Lings and Rockfish, film. Matt was able to come along and run camera and fish. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I got your stunt double. Matter of fact, you guys are almost twins. I mean, look at the guy, right? Who's that? <laughs> Ryan Elwell. Oh, uh, yeah, right. He's lost about, I don't know, 40 pounds, right? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah he's, he's a good, like, yeah. 70 pounds less the, than me. But, hey, the yeah. best part about that day is right from the start, uh, we're kind of, you know, doing introductions and, and, uh, you know, Ben knows, uh, Jordan and I, of course, and Matt. Yeah. <clears throat> so he looks right at Ryan. And he goes, Ray, glad you could make it out with us. And Ray. Start calling him Ray. <laughs> so Ryan looks at us and he's like, I guess I'm Ray. And I'm like, I guess you're Ray. Yeah. And then, so for like three quarters of the day, he is Ray. We're all calling him Ryan Ray. <laughs> calling him Ray. Best part ben. was Ray starts talking in third person. Oh, Ray's really? over there running the reel. He's like, Ray's going to get some action going on. <laughs> Ray's going to hook a lingcod, right? Oh, Ray is digging this. Ray is loving it, right? Oh, my God. Oh, we had so much fun. That's ben awesome. is a Ben is a great guy, good friend. Yeah. Uh, pleasure to be out there with on the Overkill. Overkill uh, uh, sport fishing, if you want to look him up. Um, mm-hmm. We had a great day. We got all our lingcod. Uh, first, we went and got our flounder, right? Yep. And we're going to watch this video maybe next week or the week after. But uh, yep. some nice size ones, too. That that one in my uh, right hand there is, uh, <laughs> is a beast. That's a hefty one, yeah. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, got our flounders, used those flounders, got our lingcod, went out. Uh, we end up out there about 35 miles or so until we get to the rockfish uh, destination. Got all our fish. We were done fishing by 11 o'clock. Yeah. You know, the thing that's interesting about the the difference in lane cod fisheries from south to north is that you would think that it's uh, equal opportunity that, that, you know, if you get them on, if they're, if they're biting that well, you know, on one thing in the in area two, for example, you should yeah. be able to go to area four, right, and, and be able to reproduce the same result. But Absolutely. It's, it's interesting that there's, there's a total variety of techniques as you go from, from area to area. But for whatever reason, these lingcod, and they are thick out there, and there's a lot of large models um, out there as mm-hmm. well, but they absolutely love live bait flounder. They right? do. And, and in my opinion, you know, flounder, if, if you didn't send a flounder down and get that many lingcod in that size, you wouldn't know that it's a good bait. Because mm-hmm. you know, in a lot of other places, it sucks. Yeah. It is the most uneventful live bait that you could ever put on a hook and catch a lingcod with. But it works so well out there. But, then, you know, the pipe jigs will work good out there, too. And a lot of them charter boats, man, mm-hmm. they just rail them fish. Now, I'm here to tell you, you're going to get bigger fish with light bait. Oh, yeah. You're yep. going you're gonna to do well with the pipe jigs. And yep. guys that are running charter, they're just like, they just want to get the meat over the rail and get it all done and get back in, right? So uh, I get it. You're going to get your fish. Um, and uh, But... Hands down, I believe day yeah. in and day out, you want to get the big ones. You want to get some of those ones yep. that size. Live like bait that is always a winner. Dinosaur you got last time yep. we were out there. 
Yep. A live bait is a go-to for sure. Yeah. Um, and man, <clears throat> we hit it so right with those ocean conditions. It was yeah. just grease slick all day. You got super seasick because it was so flat. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was yeah. so unstable and dizzy. <laughs> but I think we were doing 30, 32 miles per hour yeah, all the right. way out and the back end. It was just, and Ben just kept laughing. He was like, this is, we couldn't have scripted a better day. Mm -hmm. And it was fantastic. Mm -hmm. So we're hoping to bring that to you here in the near uh, future. Matt Messing, get that done. And uh, we will uh, be showing that here <laughs> as a couple segments on the show moving forward. You, on the other hand, Saturday, uh, did in fact um, get away from work and got to get out there on your beloved Nia Bay once again. That's right, that's right. Absolutely love Nia Bay, big salmon fishing resort out there. Um, and the thing that I've noticed that I'll say is that we, our offshore spots are really now starting to pick up. Okay. And you know, that's something that we would typically see in the middle of May towards the end of May. Um, but now, just now, kind of in the last week or so, we're starting to see um, more halibut, larger halibut. The lingcod have always been out there. Um, they're prolific and they're thick, but but now you're getting the halibut and you're getting them in the better grade, mm -hmm. uh, better grade size, you know. Yeah. And I think we have Josh with a nice one too. Yeah, he did pull um, another dandy there. That kid's so taking home some halibut. He, he has done extremely well. He's yes. actually one of my highlanders on the boat this year. So yep. he's, yep. you know, definitely taken to his own. But um, yeah, I mean, the message there is, um, you know, don't don't hesitate to go offshore now. You know, I think there's a lot of opportunity out there. You don't have to move around as much as we did early season. We're able to find those fish easier now Yeah. Um, offshore. So I would say that's that's definitely a good thing that we're seeing now. For nice. Sure. Yep. Well, uh, and then, of course, I um, couldn't leave it alone. I <clears throat> looked at the wind and weather forecasts, wanted to get out Sunday. Yeah. Had a buddy that wanted to jump on the boat and go out there and jig up some uh, Chinook over here in Area 13, again, with the mm -hmm. Grim Reefer jigs because they've been, been producing so well. Um, last week, as we all know, I lost one of my... One of my favorite jigs to uh, sea line or yeah. seal, right? Lost that uh, herring aid. Well, um, Tyler and Jason over there at uh, Father and Sons, they sent me a handful of jigs. They sent me. Um, they told me half those jigs are mine. No. No, no, not no, at all. Not I a single one. Didn't get that memo. I'm gonna uh, have to call the father and the son. I'm gonna have a father and the son yeah. and the Holy Ghost. I'm gonna, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna pick up some definitely here at the expo. <laughs> they, Jason and Tyler will be at the expo, so I'm looking forward to seeing those guys again. But. Um, uh, I was looking at that black galaxy and I said, hey, could you put a glow strip on there? Yep. And they put a thin glow stripe down each side underneath the, uh, the, the, the clear overcoat. And uh, those actually produced the three fish that we got yeah. uh, the other day. And wanted to go Monday, but again, the wind was just ridiculous. So, uh, or excuse me, Sunday. Monday was just flat, calm, ridiculous. We fished through the tide. Mm -hmm. We're out there for quite a long time now. I will tell you, the, the fish have kind of moved on. Yeah. Uh, but there are a few around, and I'm marking those fish, and you know, you just keep dropping those jigs on their heads until eventually they're going to feed. Right, they get I hungry. I yeah. don't leave them because it's not like I'm going to go find fish maybe that snap anywhere yeah. else. It's all tide-driven. But I usually when you think Area 13, right, you think it's a nothing burger because it's open year-round, and so you think, oh, they're just... That is like a carrot that you will never catch, right? It's, <laughs> yeah. it's something that's it's yep. a fairy tale that's a unicorn opportunity. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think you've proven that, hey, man, get out there, use your sonar, Yes. you know, first and foremost. So I think that, you know, one of the things that I think anglers don't do very well, I mean, obviously there's a lot of, a lot of folks that do, but I think for the beginners, I think they don't use the sonar as much as they should be with, you know, uh, with their boat and, and, with the new sonars that are coming out and you know what we have on our boats with Ray Marine, yep. you're not gonna miss anything underneath the boat. If that fish swims underneath the boat, you're gonna get them and you're gonna be able to tell 
you know, target separation, how many fish there are, the size of the fish based on the return. Um, there's a lot that you can really dive into with the data that you see on your screen. And I think going out there in Area 13, you know right away, is there fish here or is there not fish here? Correct. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to jig over a desert. Right. And you can clearly see that. And then you'll, you get different, uh, you get different um, signs of bait as in differences mm -hmm. of bait, right? Yep. You're gonna either get a school of herring or anchovy, you see those sand lances down there, they start poking mm -hmm. their head, and mm -hmm. you'll notice that stuff at the tide shift. Look, yeah. them things aren't up out of the sand feeding when there's no current moving. Yeah, You're gonna have a flat, hard red bottom, red and yellow bottom, mm -hmm. on a slack tide. And pretty soon you start getting some current moving, it gets to a certain point, you're gonna go over those areas again, and all of a sudden you got activity on the bottom of your, yeah. right? Yeah. And you got to you start kind of putting that together, right? You yep. log that in your head and you look at the activity. Well, what's generating the activity? Also, people think it's just, uh, you know, it's just flounder, it's just flounder. Well, when the flounder quit biting, yeah. Make a note of when that is. You know when that is? Of course you do. It's that either, you know, uh, uh, ebb or high slack tide. Yep. There's just no current yeah. to speak of. There's no activity. The bait stopped moving. The flounder stop biting, yep. about a 45 minute window, pretty soon the flounder start biting. Mm -hmm. Pretty soon it'll start marking a few, you know, a little more activity on the bait. Mm -hmm. And then you start seeing those fish and you're right, the high, uh, the high chirp that we're running, you get that separation in target. You'll see there's three, four, five fish mm -hmm. that are streaking down around there going through the bait. And then you're seeing your jig on the screen. Oh yeah. And you're watching that jig. And yep. You know, some may call it cheating. I just call it uh, advancements in technology. Dude, it's the best TV screen you can, you can buy. <laughs> you know, it so uh, take advantage of that. Learn your electronic. Use them to your advantage. The other thing yeah. I realized there, as I told you uh, at dinner tonight, um, I have mostly fished that area that I've been targeting on an ebb. And it's mm -hmm. been producing for me. And then the other day, the tide structure was... Mm -hmm. I was catching the, the bottom end of the outgo, yeah. and then I hit that low slack, and then I was fishing that incoming. And so I'm setting up to start watching that current start moving. You're waiting and, for it to shift. Yes. And, and it never you know, I look out around the corner and out there yeah. mid-channel, mid you know, you got literally there were trees and, and logs and things floating yep. by like a river. And here we are tucked in on this corner, and guess what? Oh, yeah, it is a big back eddy. Mm -hmm. I'm basically drifting the same direction as I am mm -hmm. on an ebb, Mm -hmm. The difference is, whereas the current speed, yeah. substantially slower, correct? Right. Right? right. So I think the fastest we ever got up to is 0 0.6, 0 0.8, maybe. And there, yeah, and, and the other thing I'd say about that, and, and even out in Ia Bay, is there are certain spots along the coast where um, you do not see a shift in direction from ebb to flood. Right. Unless you get an extremely strong ebb or flood, sure. do you only see a direction in that area, which is really... It's counterintuitive and it really messes with your brain, right? You yeah. say, well, if it's flooding, the water's going out, right? It's and exiting, right? I should right? be setting and up here. And my drift should be going should one go, way. Yeah, right. And if it's ebbing, it should be coming in or it should be going out and flooding should be coming in, right? right. But it doesn't work that way. And so it's really location dependent and current does a lot of goofy things. And your bites are highly dependent on what that current does. 100%. Yeah. 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 So, uh, hey, the... Um, one of the questions that continues to come up, and I've been, I've gotten messages, you know, through our through our webpage, email, uh, messenger on mm -hmm. uh, Facebook to me, messenger to our to our Fish on Northwest uh, page is, folks get excited about the content you and I cover referencing CQ and Nia Bay. Yeah. And they want to get in on that opportunity for either salmon and or some bottom fish because yep. look, we're coming up on that time of year where you can do combos, right? Yeah, you can. Now. And people are asking this question, 16, 18, 20-foot boat. Yeah, you can do it. Where can I go? Got to do, do it with a kayak. Safe? 
Yeah. 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 I mean, literally, guys launch their kayaks at Macaw Bay and go out and catch bottom fish and come back in. Mm -hmm. So if you can do it in a kayak, you can do it in a 16, 18, 20 footer. Give them kind of some reference points around those islands or, you know, somewhere in around there where they can kind of look to go that they feel like they can, you know, handle that. Not yeah, let's start. Far. So let's start at CQ, right? Yeah. So, you know, at, at CQ, especially with this, um, you know, Chinook salmon opportunity that's going to happen here in July, um, you're going literally about a mile from the dock. Okay, you're fishing, you know, Mussolini Rock, or you're fishing the caves. You're you're literally traveling. I don't know exactly. It's like a, a mile, a mile and a half. You're just getting out. There's a highway there of salmon that basically go right out in front of CQ, and you know anywhere from 60 to 90 right on the beach. There's even guys that are catching kings off the beach, mm -hmm. um, all the way out to 300 feet of water, right? And so really, what you're doing is again, you're using your sonar. You're finding the bait, where is the bait, and then you're basically running your gear at the top of that bait ball, right? Um, so CQ is definitely a huge opportunity for salmon. Bottom fishing, not as much because you've got different regulations in Area 5 than you do in Area 4, which is really Nia Bay. Um, Nia Bay, there's a ton of small boat opportunity for both. In fact, you know, you'll hear quite frequently the reference to the green can, right? Catching kings at the green can. Um, the green can is literally you're, you're, you're exiting the marina and you're going out to the Strait of Juan de Fuca and there is a green buoy that is right at the mouth of Nia Bay and that is the green can and you will troll right there and those kings come around Wada Island and they hug the shoreline, they hug, they're right outside the kelp beds and they will go right in front of the green can and continue down the coastline. And so, you know, absolutely when the weather's crap, you can definitely fish there. Now, the one thing I'll say about some of those like very local spots is that the run is either running or it's not running, right? So if they're there, you can catch them, but sure. they're not always there, right? It's not a consistent spot. It's not like, you know, running to Swiftshire Bank and it's got like just this Mecca food and, and the salmon are always going to be there because there's, you know, umpteen different runs of fish that are just coinciding at the same time at the bank. Um, but you can definitely fish there. And the other thing I'd say in terms of bottom fish is that you've got locations, uh, you know, within three miles of Nia Bay, even within a mile, I think last time I came in and I was picking off rockfish right off of Wada Island. Mm -hmm. And again, it's a sonar, it's a sonar game. And so my, you know, my advice to people, regardless of the size of boat that you have, um, you really need to have a good electronics package. Um, and if you don't have a Raymarine system, I feel sorry for you and you're doing it wrong. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but obviously, you know, I love Raymarine. Yep. Um, and, uh, and, and so with that, when you're running from one spot to another, it really doesn't matter where I am. I am always looking at my sonar. Even if I'm going, I know I'm going offshore and I'm going to go help fishing. I've got my sonar on, right? Because I'm always trying to learn what is underneath the boat, right? And as I cross, uh, you know, as, as I go across the ocean and I track bottom and with my sonar, I'm tracking bottom the entire way mm -hmm. from, you know, 10 feet to 1800 feet, right? Yep. It doesn't matter. Yep. I'm tracking bottom and regardless of speed, I can mark bait and fish. And when you run over something going 25 knots, really what you're going to see is you're going to see like a very thin line, right? Of something. And what you can do is you can pause your sonar screen with a Ray Marine system. You can pause your sonar screen and you can drop a waypoint right on top of where you saw that bait concentration or those fish yep. and you can come right back to it. And the thing that I'll say is that when you're running across the open ocean, especially for halibut, um, you're going to find 
inherently, if you're paying attention, you're going to find spots that you didn't even know existed. You're going to find bait concentrations that you didn't even know about. And in a lot of cases, if people have not fished that area and it's got the right type of bait that how those larger halibut are feeding on, um, you can drop down and very easily catch your larger model halibut. And that's how I've found a number of my newer spots. And when mm -hmm. I go out and you'll see that, like the one big halibut, a lot of times it's because I ran over that spot, dropped down that nobody'd fished, and there happens to be one or two large fish there and we catch them. Sure. Right? Yep. And, uh, you know, for, for those that ain't, ain't, are not going to go out and venture off into the ocean like that, I mean, I think they'll be surprised with the size and or quality at times of halibut you can find way inside. Yep. I mean, yep. uh, we've pulled 80-pound halibut out of 67 feet of water, right? That's, yeah, we have. I mean, yeah. So, so literally from, you know, from Nia Bay, from Wada Island, and I, and I fished a spot um, that we've pulled a couple large halibut that's that's within a mile of water, like mm -hmm. not, not even all the way to the garbage dump. So the garbage dump is a spot, it's a large spot that's off of Kotla Point, and they call it the garbage dump because they burn garbage on land, right? So it's the garbage dump. And it's this big peninsula that kind of starts, it's up the top of it's like 220, drops off down to 500, 600 feet. And you can start at the top and kind of fall off the backside. And, and there's halibut there. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, we found halibut there this last weekend. And so, um, and, and, and garbage dump is really about, oh, four or five miles from the marina or so, not even, not even that far. And that's pretty close, right? So if it gets nautical or the, you know, the weather kicks up, you can run in and be pretty safe in a short amount of time. And uh, even I would feel comfortable fishing that in an, in an 18-foot boat. Yeah. And, uh, you know, really, you can hug the shoreline and go quite a ways in a small vessel. The thing that I would say that you have to really pay attention of um, that can kind of catch you off guard is that you have to think of the Strait of Juan de Fuca like it is a river bar, okay? Mm -hmm. Like it's a Columbia River bar or the Westport bar or the LaPush bar, you have to think of it in that terms because if you get a very sizable ebb and you have a considerable swell coming in, it is gonna stack up on you. So let's take, so perfect example, this weekend, we've got an ebb, we've got a considerable ebb. We've also got a, a fairly considerable swell, seven feet, the period's okay, it's 10 seconds, but what happens is when the ebb meets the swell, the 10 seconds gets shortened Okay, mm -hmm. you know, and it'll be, and I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be a lot shorter than 10 seconds. <laughs> yes. And it could be seven at seven and seven yeah, at yeah. seven is miserable. Okay. It is. And what you will learn at Nia Bay is that as you round Wada, right off the northern tip of Wada Island there, right by Nia Bay, it's going to stack up because it comes up from, you know, 300 feet up to 60, 70 feet fairly quickly. And so you learn to stay away from certain points of land because you know that it's going to create this bar like effect. And uh, in fact, I mean, I've, I remember when I first started fishing Nia Bay, coming around the corner during this type of scenario, and I was staring at 12 to 15 footers just and right you're in like, front of me. Um, and I'm like, oh yeah, mm, this is bad. Didn't know this was gonna happen, right? right? Right. And so it's not good enough to just look at the NOAA forecast for Nia Bay. Um, you really have to look at what's the tide doing? How big is the swell? And kind of think about when it's happening, right? When you have a flood, it's not a big deal, right? The, the swell, and the water current are moving the same direction. Correct. So you're gonna maintain that spaced out, you know, seven feet at 10 seconds or whatever the swell is. Mm -hmm. It's really when you have an ebb that you need to be careful about. Yep, like crossing most bars. Yep. Right? Yeah, and so I think, so one of the questions here was, hey, got a smaller boat, uh, Westport swell period forecast this Sunday is 6.7 feet at seven seconds. Is that gonna be lumpy? Yeah, that's gonna be downright miserable. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, I was and I think beat you and up. that that is probably a bar report, I would say. Um, but here's the thing: mm -hmm. you look at the tide, right? And especially with the with Westport, you're you're gonna you want to avoid the ebb. So you want to look at. I use uh, a website called Deep Zoom, and that will give you um, current speed and direction. And so you can look at that little arrow indicator, and you can see when the arrow turns from an ebb to a flood. And when that occurs, you're not going to have those bar-like nasty conditions. And obviously, high slack is as good as it gets. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Hey, uh, Eric Koenig here uh, asking, Tommy, are you running a through-hole transducer? I am. Yeah. I am. Yep, I'm running a through-hole. And I've, I've even gone a, another step further, and I've got a, um, a fairing block underneath, underneath uh, there just so that, you know, one of the things that can happen is if you have a flush-mounted through-hole, um, if there's any kind of like water, you know, if the, if the flow of the water gets tripped ahead of that transducer, mm -hmm. you can introduce bubbles below the face of the transducer. So I have a block that is designed to go down in the water flow and it holds the face of the transducer about, I think it's about four or five inches below the hull. Oh. And so no matter what, I'm always getting clean water underneath yeah. my transducer. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I can see everything so well. Now, obviously that's number one. Uh, a, a through haul with a fairing block. Yeah. Um, that's always going to that's always going to be the best. And then number two is a through haul, and number three would be a shoot through haul, right? And number four would be your transom mounted, right? Mm -hmm. And the folks, you know, when people have problems with sonar, it's usually the folks that have something transom mounted. And mm -hmm. so what I would say is that when you have some uh, transom mounted transducer, one of the things that you want to do is you really want to tilt that transducer. You want to first of all, you want to make sure it's at the right water line, right at the white, the right height, so that it's actually below the hull. If you get it too far above the bottom of the hull, you're going to get turbulent flow. And yep. when you get turbulent flow, you get bubbles, and you're not going to see anything you when don't you're see running. Nothing. Nope. The other thing you want to do is you want to make sure you have, um, if you're having problems, you think it's at the right height, you want to tilt it down and forward, right, so that that transducer is shooting ever so slightly, a couple degrees forward. And what that helps ensure is that when that water flow comes across that transducer, it's clean, okay? If you have it tilted up, so the back end of the deucer is up, you're gonna get water trip and then you're gonna start missing things again. Mm -hmm. um, and then obviously there's other things like ensuring you have a clean power source and you don't have any interference, but, but most of the problem is, uh, is in how it's mounted and how it's adjusted. I think that's probably one of the number one complaints when I listen to people talk about, well, you know, they get on the boat and they watch the yeah. electronics, they're like, I can't believe how clear, crystal clear your display is. I'm yep. like, well, is, you know, it's a thousand kilowatt high yep. chirp. I mean, this thing is like, you know, doing, doing amazing work. Yeah. And even up on step, you know, I'm still registering bottom. I'm still watching stuff. I'm still seeing everything. Like mm -hmm. how, my boat doesn't do that. Well, what are you running? They'll say some other brand. I'll go, well, I, I don't know much about that, but right. there could be a lot with even just how it is um, installed on your boat, yes. right? And all those finer points that you just expressed is a lot of the reason persons fight with their electronics and don't have the clarity that they would That's want right. to hope for. Yep. Um, they probably stood, you know, whether they go into a, a retail outlet or a sportsman show and they listen to a, a sales mm -hmm. uh, person or an individual representing that company tell them this is... This, the, this electronics package has the capability of doing this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does, but then there's the install. Yep. And if that is just a little bit off, yeah. you know, you're going to have, have issues, yeah. right? And yeah. not everybody is very good at troubleshooting your issues for 
the package you have and the install process. So, yeah. you know. Um, so, so here's so here's something else I want to get back to. We talked a lot about sonar, but you know, small boat fishing. I will say that, you know, we took we took a bunch of kids out at the end of April out of Nia Bay. Yeah. From I think we had three like one year old or less, mm -hmm. and then we had a whole bunch that were between you know like two and ten. Yeah. And um, so and it was it was kind of sloppy, right? So we didn't we didn't run very far. Yeah. And I caught link cod at the south end of Wada Island, which is literally the entrance to Nia Bay. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I found that spot through sonar. Okay, mm -hmm. we already talked about mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. um, but what I would say is that there were other people fishing it when I came up to that spot and uh, three other boats, and I didn't see anybody catching anything. I dropped down a live greenling and was on almost, <laughs> not instantly, but we drifted for maybe like three or four minutes, and then we were on um, uh, to nice link cod. So there's, there's always link cod everywhere, I believe that. And, but if you're running the same jig, right, with the same scampi as the person next to you or Everybody the same else. jig, mm -hmm. you're, you're probably not going to entice them enough because they've seen it day in and day out. Mm -hmm. As soon as you put a live bait down there and at Ania Bay, greenling is king. Um, so if you can catch some greenling, like right close to the kelp beds is where I get them. Yep. Um, and then put that down on a big hook for for link cod you're gonna get them so so yeah absolutely you can catch everything in a small boat cq and nia bay are going to be your small boat friendly ports and then you know la push is not and westport isn't really either no um you know but cq and nia bay you can always hide from the weather there's always places you can fish and still be productive um and stay out of the way of the weather yeah Excellent tips, excellent points, and I'm pretty sure a number of folks are going to be able to utilize that uh, tidbit of information and hopefully mm -hmm. get out there and be successful and safe. You know, yeah. get your family out and enjoy. Uh, all right, we're going to jump out for a quick break. Nicely done, by the way, Thomas. You betcha. Uh, jump out for a quick break. We come back, got a few points of interest and things to talk about as we close out the show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back right here at Fish on Northwest. A Northwest favorite for almost 40 years, Arima boats are manufactured with pride in Bremerton, Washington. All Arima boats are built without any structural wood materials. That is why Arima boats are backed with a lifetime warranty. Arima can offer every boat with Honda outboard packages so that you can take advantage of the reliability and five-year top-to-prop warranty from your Honda outboard. Call or stop by Arima boats today and let them help you get into your very next boat. All right, welcome back here in the studio as we wind down the show. So I don't know if, uh, if you've picked up on it or not, uh, but our, our videographer, producer, uh, right. editor. He is, he is also a charter captain. He also is a charter captain. Yeah. And uh, back there in his, uh, his, his own backyard, as he likes yeah. to call it. You know, he's been yeah. chasing those resident coho. And I got to tell you, man, this last week, he had a, I mean, he's been getting them, like, every trip out. Yeah, he has. But he had, what do you have, four or five clients on board? Yep. You know, usually he fishes a max of four, but I think he had four or five clients. And... I think they threw about 12, 12 of them tasty critters mm -hmm. on the on the on the table there. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Just sticking with the same program that we had him on last week. Talked about it. Talked about what he's got going on and how he's finding them, the depths and everything. So if you missed out on that, go back to last week's show and watch that interview with uh, Matt Messing, and uh, he's going to basically tell you, you know, the A's, A's disease on where yeah. he's finding them, how to get them. Yeah. And uh, if you've never eaten one of those, let me tell you. Because they pretty yeah, much they, eat. They are pretty oily. <laughs> yes. They're eating all that krill. They are. And when they can't get to the krill, you know, they will start eating those small herring after yeah. we get the herring hatch, right? Yeah. But they focus predominantly, their their diet is on that krill in mm -hmm. Puget Sound. 
And their meat is as red as sockeye. Any, anytime you can get a fish that's like predominantly on krill, yeah. it's going to be a phenomenal fish. In yep. fact, we got into a mess of black cod here last weekend, and they were just puking up krill all oh, over the place. Oh, is that right? And black cod are naturally oily anyway. Yeah, they are. Uh, but these these fish, I'm excited to eat. Yeah. 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 So um, may have to go out there next week. I'm going to check on weather on a few things, and you know, got some options. We're again, you know. Harry 13's right here. Harry mm -hmm. 10's a little bit of a commute for us, but if you can go up there and, you know, if you got a couple guys on, on board, you can take mm -hmm. the kokanee rods, take some small dodgers, and go have a good time that we've done in the past. It's actually quite a bit of fun, and you're catching fish that, you know, rival any really good size yes. kokanee. Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> so, uh, other than that, hey, I know something you're excited about, looking forward to. Summer crab season's going to open. It is. I absolutely love crabbing. I mean, I could do it day in and day out. The thing that's annoying to me is that area 10 and 11, you get you get a whopping two days a week. I don't and get it's it. And you know, it's not even the weekend, right? It's Sunday and Monday. <sighs> it's horrible. Um, so, um, that that's, is, it's, it's pretty disappointing. I guess, I guess the alternative is it's closed and you can't crab at all. Okay, fine. But um, was really hoping that I would see more than two days a week open. You and I as uh, both, I mean, I want to go drop the crab pots. I want get yeah. to the, get the troll gear out and spend some time right. going after some salmon. Right. And then uh, five, six, seven hours later, go pick up the crab pots and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, take home a nice bounty of some Chinook. Yeah. Maybe a periodic coho and uh, get some crabbies. Yep. You know, yep. and there's only two days a week we get to even attempt to do that. Right. It's pretty disheartening. Yeah, I mean, I would have hoped, as you just said, for a few more days per week. So Yeah, and then the thing is, so we're going to get, um, you know, Area A2 open right and some of the other areas. And in and, and some of those northern areas especially, you really want to look at the tribal openers because mm -hmm. once they go in, so let me just say, it's not fun to be crabbing when they're in the water because it, it is a show. I'll leave out the first. <laughs> I'll leave out the adjective that goes in front it of that. It is a show. But yes. it is a show, right. and it is so annoying because it is just a parking lot of pots, uh -huh. and crabbing production goes downhill fast. Yep. So, but you can look up when they're open, make sure you're in the water before they are, mm -hmm. and then I would give it, you know, five days to recover, week to recover after they're after they take their pots out. Yeah, pick uh, your days wisely because we don't get a lot of them, and uh, you got to make it count. And fuel's expensive. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it is expensive. So I can imagine Sundays on any of these areas when recreational crabbing is open and Chinook fishing is open, those are going to be some crowded days. Yeah. Be a lot of boats yeah. on the water with, you know, conducive weather. Mm -hmm. uh, you can look forward to some crowded days. So, uh, you know, we take what we can get and we all just try to get out there on the water and get along. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, all right. Any final thoughts? I'm excited for this weekend once again to go to Nia Bay. That's my, that is my second home. <laughs> yes, yeah, lucky you. Yeah. Um, we are going to be over there at the expo. So uh, looking forward to that. Got the camper on the truck. Yeah. Going to have Wilson, going to have Harper. It's a whole family there deal going go. <laughs> on. Shing's going to be selling merch, and I'm going to be chasing a six-year-old and a eight-year-old dog around. That's, there you go. That's, that's uh that's what I got going on. So, all right. Appreciate everybody tuning in this evening. Hopefully you found some content useful uh, moving forward. Uh, we always appreciate your support. If you have time, uh, come on out and see us here at the Fish Expo, Thurston County Fairgrounds, Saturday or Sunday. going to be a really good time. Lots of people to, to see and talk to. And you know what? Come on up, say hi. Let's talk some fishing or hunting and uh, buy some swag. We'd love to see you wearing our gear out there on the waters or in the woods. Going to do it for us this, here, uh, this week. Uh, next week, the 22nd? Yeah, I guess I, I do have one more thing that I, I do want to mention. And that would is be... Is that 
on the 21st, which is next week, Wednesday. Oh, 21st, yeah. I'm giving a seminar. A seminar. It's basically a seminar. <laughs> it is a, it's a seminar. But it's on salmon. Yeah. Hey, you just, and it's, it's all about chasing coastal Chinook salmon, right? And I wanted so you to mention that. I'm yes, gonna have, thank you. I'm going to have a fresh report for you. It is at the South King County Puget Sound Anglers. It's the IBEW Hall 46. Um, go to the Puget Sound Anglers website. Yeah, South King County. They got a Facebook page. Go on there. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a blast. I'm glad they're back in the the IBEW Hall because there's just so much more room. Uh, oh, in that it's hall. Re- yeah. Sound is better. People yeah. can fit in there. So, yeah, yeah. Instead of the uh, Kent Commons Community Center, oh, so, that was terrible. Which is but... like a, a classroom for 30 people. <laughs> yeah. So, 30 small people. 30 yeah. small people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You are giving a seminar, and uh, yeah. we're going to look forward to that. So good point. Uh, then we'll be back here. Uh, I'll be back here. You're gone next week. That's right. I will 22nd. be. I will be in the San Juan. Yes, stripping. you. Yeah, yeah, doing some shrimping. So. Yep. That's uh, good for you guys. Um, okay, I'll uh, have to figure something out. I don't know. Might have to drag Herzog in here again. There you go. He's a, he's a fan favorite, so we'll see what he's got going on. All right, have a great weekend. Get out there and enjoy. Post your pictures on our social media platforms. We enjoy sharing that with all of you and appreciate your support. Have a great weekend. Be safe and enjoy. That's going to do it for us here tonight, Fish on Northwest. Hey, thanks for joining us here on the Fish on Northwest weekly podcast. I want to remind everyone... And you can catch our weekly live stream show on our Facebook page and, of course, our YouTube channel every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. West Coast time. You'll get our insightful in-studio interviews, our extremely detailed how-to segments in the Bait Lab, the infield segments we bring to you when we're on the water or in the woods, and, of course, our amazing cooking recipes in the kitchen with co-host Sherry England and chef Jeff Maxfield. Give us a follow on our Facebook page at Fish Hunt Northwest. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fish Hunt NW. Find us on Twitter and Instagram. And finally, go to our webpage at www.fishhuntnw.com for all the latest and greatest info. Join us each week here on our podcast. Join us each week at our live production. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.